Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Essential Ag Solutions, bringing innovative science-based solutions to livestock producers. Elanco, get your full value from start to finish with Elanco. United Animal Health, scientifically better. Learn more at unitedanh.com. Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research suggested for you. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson, and I'm the host of the podcast. Joining me for this week's episode is Dr. Declan Schroeder. Uh, Dr. Schroeder is uh, an associate professor in molecular virology in veterinary population medicine in the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Minnesota. Declan, thank you very much for coming back onto the podcast. I know you and I have recorded before, and this is going to be part two of our two-part episode, but just in case somebody hasn't caught that first episode yet, why don't you give the audience a little introduction? Uh, Clayton, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so we, you know, there's a big concern about ASF, um, and thank goodness to date ASF hasn't entered the U.S., um, and one of the, you know, what we discussed last time was really understanding how does ASF spread? Where does ASF comes from? And we discussed, you know, the African link. And, of course, the threat to the U.S. is about how we get, we'd get here. Um, and one of the avenues in the end was, you know, a possibility would be through through maybe feed and especially spread internally. It'll, it's more likely it'll come through human interaction. But once it gets here, when it gets into the becomes endemic in the U.S., then how does it move around? And, and as I say, feed is one of the options. At Essential Ag, pork production is our life. We understand the real-world challenges producers face, and that is why we strive to bring research-driven solutions to the industry. The team at Essential Ag is working hard every day to find and deliver innovative technologies to you because we are passionate about solving your problems. Yeah, and Declan, I know you've done some research, specifically uh, building models, right? Not everybody can work with ASF, and certainly as long as we don't have it, we want to be very careful with working with the actual organism. But talk to us about the models that you've established to try and work with potential interventions against ASF using maybe uh, some other other viruses. Right, yeah. This is uh, something which came as a surprise, I guess, to many people, because when you think of ASF, you, you know that ASF is essentially the only virus within that family that is known. And so it's always been like a lone horse. And, and as you say, not anyone is allowed to really work on this virus because it's such a high, has high biosecurity that, that it's not just given to anyone to work on, right? Um, and so one of the things that I, I had from a completely different um, experience, I guess, is that I, was, I used to work on a virus that infects algae. And, and this sounds quite strange, but actually, the you know algae have viruses too. And and the more we studied them, we realized that that the when you do sequencing and you do genetics on them, you realize that they're related as well. And and one of its relatives is African swine fever virus. Um, and there are other relatives of, of of African swine fever in the sense that they're not relatives within the same family, but they are distant enough that you can group them into a larger group. And these are called mega viruses. And I say, I've, I've been working this for a long time. In fact, I have over 20 years' experience working on megaviruses. And when ASF threat came, became a real reality well, in terms of what we saw, what was going on in China, um, I then said to everybody, look, yes, we can't work on ASF, but we should be thinking of models outside ASF. 
And within the megavirus family, the algal virus um, that I used to work on makes perfect sense as a surrogate. And you know, Clayton, the reason why it's a very good surrogate is that because they both have a common ancestor in terms of genetics. They are both double-stranded DNA viruses. And structurally, they look the same. It's just extraordinary. They, they, they've almost maintained that. Other viruses that are also distant-related lost that those many of those features. But this algal virus has a, exactly the same features as that of, of ASF. So you've got this virus that we can use as kind of a surrogate to evaluate potentially interventions um, against this, uh, you know, feed pathway transmission. Have you looked at any specific uh, molecules or products that could potentially be applied and, you know, to your situation? If we had ASF here in the country, something that could be added to the feed to mitigate that threat. Right. So as I said, because they have a similar genetics and it has a similar structural features, it becomes a really good surrogate for ASF when you once once seeks to destroy that virus particle. Um, so one thing what it doesn't do, by the way, just to make sure people don't get confused, that you don't you can't use this virus for, say, for example, an animal infection model. So a a animal like a pig, um, even humans, you know, we are animals, we can't get this virus because it's very specific to the algae only. So it's safe in that sense, right? It's not even, it doesn't even affect plants. It, it only infects an algae. In fact, within the algae families, it only expect, infects one. So knowing that, it's, it's limited to, for us to, to look at the structure and, and see how one can degrade it. And then getting to your question, yes, there are a few um, so, uh, mitigants, chemical mitigants that are in the market that um, have been used in the swine industry to, to, to try and inactivate and so successfully so um, inactivate other viruses found in swine. You know, the common RNA viruses like PERS or influenza um, um, or PDV, those sort of viruses that they've, they've been trying to, to control. Um, it's also mainly been used, many of these chemical mitigants have been used for bacterial pathogens. Um, but we, we found that we were able to work on a variety of virus, um, chemical mitigants. Just to give an example, you know, Viroblock is something that is currently on the market. It gets used in feed. And, and we found it had some really good efficacy against the surrogate. Have you um, got any ongoing research using that Viroblock product um, against uh, the, the surrogate or any of the other endemic pathogens we already have? Right. So one of the things we, we were doing is, first of all, we were looking at um, whether there was like a load, a dependency, how much you need to cause a, a, a proper mitigation. And so we went, we went for all the way from starting asking does it actually destroy the particle? And, and, and we do know this because we've developed another assay called viability PCR. And we can separate between something which is viable and not. And we've shown fantastic efficacy in these three log reduction. And three logs means three orders of magnitude. You know, so 99.9% removal of the virus. And then you apply it and you say, you know, in terms of what other applications, we've put it directly in feed. And we found there too, it was, it had a, a comparable reduction in virus viability and then on top of that we then cross-validated this with african swine fever itself and we found so we we are fortunate here in minnesota and in my lab we have access to bsl3 facilities and so we have high biosecurity um, containment facilities and so we have asf in our lab and we tested this viral block to against this and it showed also good efficacy so so this is the sort of research we're trying to do. We can we can only do the sort of ASF work in ASF, but now within the 
within the like a viral block and the surrogate model we can do it in our, in our normal lab and we are we are seeking to try and do some field work studies to see whether this would work in the field as well Declan, um, working is one thing, but obviously there's going to be an economic value proposition there as well. Uh, has your team worked at all on how do you assess the, the return on investment, so to say, from a feed mitigant strategy where a producer might use ViraBlock for biosecurity protection? Oh, well, Clayton, that's beyond my pay, pay grade. So, <laughs> you know, I mean... All I can do is I, I, I like to be independent. I like to be the, you know the third party. I, I, I get given the this, this sample, and all I ask is about efficacy. Does it work? Doesn't work? I can also give them dosage, right? I can tell you how low to go to terms, and then essentially becomes the financial model on the on the company side. Can they make? Can they provide it at a at a cost that makes sense to the to the producer? And unfortunately, that is something that's not something that I, I want to work on or have worked on. Um, and yeah, you know, it's something I really kind of comment on. Have, do you know if there are producers that are actively trying to evaluate the risk of their feed? Uh, maybe not testing it for ASF, right? At least not here in the United States. But are there producers that are out there trying to evaluate how often contamination occurs with a, a PERS or a PED, a Delta coronavirus, any of the other endemic pathogens? Yeah, sure. I mean, do we do know there are a lot of um, facilities that, that apply this, I think, and, and, and rightly so. I mean, you know, there are so many viruses that, 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 that challenge swine on a daily basis, right? And so, you know, part of the suite of, of things you can do, chemical medicants is definitely one of them. And, of course, chemical medicants in feed. Um, there, are, there are ways in which um, these companies report the data. We are fortunate here in Minnesota to have the Morrison Swine Health Monitoring um, and, and so what, what happens there is that people are, are trying to understand, do you see a break in facilities that use or don't use? Um, at the moment, the data is really is minimal, but well, it's limited because it focuses many things on like, on like PERS. Um, and so I can, while I can answer your question by saying, yes, people are monitoring it, I think there's still, we've got a long way to go. And I think there's lots we could do to get a more holistic view in terms of which viruses break and who's using it when. The other key thing is how often do you apply this, right? Do you do you apply this to feed only once, and that's and do you, do you apply it pre and common outbreaks? Like we know some some viruses are seasonal. All these questions are are still have not really been investigated. And to be fair, the the the, the sort of the strategy in which one or, or the role in which feed plays in, in moving viruses is relatively new, right? In the grand scheme of things. It's a new, it's a new, new idea, and it's a new challenge. So, so I think the data still is, is out there, but it still needs to be collected in a more holistic way. And there's a lot more we can do. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Boringer Ingelheim, through innovative solutions, cutting edge research, and world class experts, Boringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at bi-animalhealth.com. El Biotics the postbiotic pioneer that helps maintain a healthy gut in pigs. Healthy Climate Monitor. We give you insight and you get control. Find us at healthyclimatemonitor.com. Salmonella presents significant challenges to pig health and performance and poses food safety risks to humans. As the first and only vaccine offering live attenuated strains of both Salmonella cholera suis and Typhimurium, Enterosol Salmonella TC from Boringer Ingelheim 
protects pigs against both serotypes with a single oral dose. Talk to your Boringer Ingelheim representative to learn more. Very, very well said, Declan. Um, and you, you're exactly right. You know, early in my career, you would have never dreamt of worrying about the feed from a biosecurity standpoint. It just didn't come up. It wasn't on our radar. PED, I think, ultimately taught us that that needs to be on our radar. Maybe not the biggest risk in the world, but it's risk, right? And, and the reality is the pathogens don't care how they get in the farm. You, you mentioned the, the Bob Morrison uh, Swine Health Monitoring Program, and I always remember this quote that Bob had, do work that matters. And uh, from, from me to you, Declan, thank you very much for continuing in that legacy of Bob, because this new threat is real. And not just the ASF threat, but the, the transmission via feed and your work finding that surrogate is absolutely doing work that matters. And from uh, from everybody here at Carthage, the SwineNet team and the whole industry, thank you for working on that. Oh, thank you so much. Well, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Um, really appreciate you having uh, or coming back to the show here. And to our audience, thank you very much for listening to the Swine Health Black Belt podcast. Please check out our website at swinehealthblackbelt.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on our next episode. For Dr. Declan Schroeder, I'm Dr. Clayton Johnson. Thanks and have a great week. Hey, everybody. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine health-related research trial and would like to come on the show and talk about it, share it with us, please feel free to email the research to hello at wisenetics.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at W-I-S-E-N-E-T-I-X dot com.